impossible things are done every single day. Every day there are things being done, inventions being made, health breakthroughs being made that this time 50 years ago, everyone would agree that's impossible. But somebody chose to not believe it. Welcome back to the Impact Entrepreneur Show. My name is Mike Flynn, and I am honored to be your host. Our mission here on the Impact Entrepreneur Show is not just to inspire you, but also to help you tap into and begin to believe in your God-given potential and purpose. That's right, baby. We want you to not only be inspired, but experience breakthrough. And we do that on this podcast by interviewing incredible people who are using their experiences, their skill set, their platforms to have a game-changing impact in the lives of others. And here's the thing. None of these folks are simply sitting back, living a life of leisure. They have things to do, places to go, and lives to impact. Speaking of that... This episode is going to be something special and different because we're going to talk to the co-founder and CEO of a nonprofit organization that is doing something incredibly powerful. And my show, The Impact Entrepreneur Show, is not necessarily about you know, impact organizations. It's about the impact moments of our life that shape our trajectory and set us on certain journeys. And definitely... How we grow up as children and the impact moments of our childhood shape a lot of the trajectories that we go on throughout our life. And I think that both of us would agree, all of us would agree, that every child deserves the opportunity to feel good and feel safe. It's a fundamental, foundational need for all humans. And when you don't have that as a child, it can create limiting beliefs that end up obscuring your potential. And that's why this week's guest, Laura Mayer, co-founded Clothe Our Kids, a nonprofit organization dedicated to providing at-risk children in Tennessee with much-needed clothing and shoes. Their goal is to help these kids, these children, feel loved, cared for, and good about themselves what they call clothing kids with confidence. And each bag they deliver is custom packed with quality items, items that we would all get at big brand name stores, items with the individual needs of each child in mind. Laura grew up in a loving home with support where she was homeschooled by her mother. But when she left home, she found that the rest of the world wasn't always so supportive. She found herself in an abusive relationship, and after she escaped it, she felt lost. As a result, she put everyone else and everything else at a distance because she didn't feel safe. However, a transformative experience at church taught Laura that she had to let go of her past. She didn't know what that was going to look like necessarily, but she was done letting anyone else steal another day of her future. She couldn't go back. She couldn't change what happened to her, but she could choose to move forward with her head held high. Laura also found inspiration and support in a wonderful book called Boundaries, When to Say Yes and How to Say No to Take Control of Your Life by Dr. Henry Cloud, which she recommends to anyone who resonates with her story. This story will help you like I hope this podcast does, remind you that everyone here is on earth for a purpose. 
We all have God-given abilities, and we all have the ability to create an impact in the world. But before you can find your why, you must remember and believe that you are worthy of one to begin with. And giving children the opportunity to remember that they are worthy is really why Clothe Our Kids is making such a positive impact in these young lives. And if you want to make a positive impact, you can support Clothe Our Kids or even bring Clothe Our Kids to your community because every single city across America and around the world needs this. You can learn more at clothearkids.com forward slash take dash action, or you can go to the show notes where we have all of the links there. But in the meantime, bust out your pens and paper, take some notes, prepare to be inspired and reminded of your worth and your value and brace for impact. Laura Mayer, welcome to the Impact Entrepreneur Show. Very excited to have you. Um, One of your Friends and a listener of the show of the Impact Entrepreneur Show. I think his name is Damon. Yep, or, Derek Lyman. Yes. Derek, yes, Derek. Sorry, Derek sorry, Lyman. Derek. I knew it was a D, <laughs> and I know there was a there. It's it. I combined your first name and your last name, but you did. Uh, yes. And now you have a new alter ego, my friend, Damon. <laughs> uh, no, Derek. Uh, you know, it connected us. He reached out and he said, "I think that you know this would be something that you might be interested in talking about." And I am, and I, and I, as I, as we were, we were chatting before we hit record that the show is not necessarily a a podcast about you know the impact that nonprofits in and of themselves or any organization is having in the world. It's about the story, the impact moments that launched our guests on the path that they are on today. So this is a, a conversation about your story and we will weave in the the reasons why you started Clothe Our Kids, which is a, such an, an incredibly important organization and mission to make sure that our kids, especially those that are less fortunate, have the opportunity to to look good, to feel good, because that's just the foundation. In, in Maslow's hierarchy of needs, safety and belonging is like, like the, the fundamental foundation for our ability to become who we are created to be. So I'm excited to chat about your story and learn more about the organization. And so welcome again to the show. I am so excited to be here. And you know, I don't even know... Um... I wasn't sure which direction you were going to take this, if it was more me talking about Clothe Our Kids or my own journey. So so let's go. Let's do it. I'm ready. Yeah, it's going to be a combination of both. So we're going to start. I don't really know anything about you. So we're going okay. to start with a little bit about what it was like growing up as a kid for you. What was your childhood okay. like? Okay. Well, um, in a lot of ways, I feel like I had uh, the perfect little house on the prairie childhood. I grew up in the country, um, in the hills of Tennessee, and I was actually homeschooled. My mom um, has a teaching degree, but um, my oldest brother just, um, you know, now back in the 80s, they wouldn't have, they don't know as much as they know now, but probably now they would have said dyslexia and ADHD and some of those things. And so she decided with her teaching degree that she would bring us home and uh, just give him a year or two to kind of get caught up and, and to focus on him 
Well, we stuck with it. And my mom wound up homeschooling for 20 years, um, me and my three siblings. So um, life felt pretty safe, uh, you know, just growing up, running around in the hills and in the woods and in the creek. And, and I'm so grateful for that. And I think, um, I think that did help prepare me for even what I do today because I didn't grow up with very much of a herd mentality. And I don't mean that as a, as a negative, but just as a description of, I didn't have to constantly look around and wonder maybe what other people were doing and checking myself against them. Um, mm-hmm. Because when, when you're homeschooled and all your friends are homeschooled, it's just, hey, let's all be weird and, and you know be yourself and do your own thing. So that was a very familiar thing for me to look inward and, and do me. Whatever that may kind of take it or leave it. So I'm grateful for that, even though that was not her original plan. It was supposed to just be a couple of years. But so that was what childhood was like. Um, And then uh, college started. And uh, there's some pros and cons to to that, to not being as worldly wise, that I wound up falling in a relationship that was not for my good, very controlling, manipulative, and abusive relationship. And um, that left a lot of wounds and scars that I carried through my college years and then uh, even after I was married. And, and so the little girl that was so carefree and uh, compassionate, I loved people. I always saw the best in people. I was always the helper. I wanted to help when I saw someone in need or I saw a little girl that didn't have a friend. That was just in me. I just wanted, I, I feel like, that that's just kind of our job. And that's what an honor to get to help somebody that's less fortunate. But that little girl kind of got buried underneath the yuck and underneath the messages of what other people had spoken in my life and over my life and over my worth and over uh, my value as a human, my value of what I brought to the table, even my um, how intelligent I was or wasn't, any of those things. And, and so that, that's, that was kind of, and I, I don't know how far you want me to go with this. Yeah, but, no, go for it. Keep it going. This okay, is good. Okay, okay. So I was, um, basically, I kind of started closing myself off because people were dangerous. People were scary. You didn't know who you could trust. And, and um, I allowed the things that had been done to me to start burying me alive. Um, you know, when, when people take a shovel of mud and they say words or they do actions against you, it's like taking a shovel of mud and, and dumping it on you and, and you're just getting buried alive in this in this coffin. And so I had stayed very, um, very much to myself. And I, I just really started retreating from the world. And I was raised in a Christian home and I'm a person of faith. And, but even that I had um, kind of put up put up walls and kind of a, Lord, I'm just not really sure where you were in all of that. So I'm not sure if I can even trust you. So let's just keep everybody, including you at arms. At mm-hmm. arms mm-hmm. And then um, I was a stay-at-home mom. We wound up, uh, Brian and I have, we've been married for 16 years and we have three little girls. And I was a stay-at-home mom with those three kids. And um the Lord kind of started drawing my heart back to Him, and I know I'm, I'm talking to a, a huge range of listeners today. So I'm, I'm just well. I'm, I'm a man I'm, of faith, and and everybody knows okay. that I am. So you can be who you are. Do not be ashamed. Okay. 
awesome. Just telling my story. So one day I was actually sitting in church on the very back row and we were singing a song during the worship time of the service. And the words uh, to the song were, my life is not my own. To you, I belong. I give myself away. And it's such a beautiful song of surrender. And in my heart, as I was singing those words, I felt like the Lord spoke to my heart and said, Laura, you don't mean that. And it was just so clear, so clear. It was one of the very, you know, there's just been a few times in my life that I felt like the Lord has spoken something so loud to my heart. And I argued and I said, well, of course, Lord, I love you. And, and I, you know, my life is yours. And, uh, and, but I knew what he meant. And he was pointing me back to the fact that I had let myself be buried underneath the things that had happened. And I was mm-hmm. letting my past determine my present. And if I didn't let, if I didn't stop it, it was going to determine my future. And so he put me at a crossroads that day. And he said, Laura, you know, I, I just had this impression in my heart that he was saying that there were things on the inside of me, things that even he was wanting to get to me, but I would never step into those things until I turn, learned to let go, let go of the past, let go of the words, let go of the identity. I think that is huge with me. And that's a huge part of Clothe Our Kids is putting confidence and putting identity on these kids in the form mm of clothes that look like their friends' clothes, you know, um, mm-hmm. stylish and all that. But that that I was kind of at a crossroads of, and that it was time to let go and to learn how just to free fall and trust Him. So I didn't even really know what that, what that was going to look like, but I didn't tell anybody what had happened to me that day in, at church. But I left changed and, and I left saying, okay, Lord, I do not want to let those people have another day of my future. I don't want to mm. let them have a d- another day of my life. I, I can't go back. I can't change it. But okay, I'm a mess. But if you want this mess, here it is. <laughs> kind of a <laughs> thing. And um, so the next day, I just... How that looked for me, how, how free-falling and selling out to Him looked for me, was just every day intentionally turning inward uh, into my heart and just saying, okay, Lord, if there's anything you want me to do today, I'll obey, you know, and, and he's, um, he started leading me. It's amazing how he uses community. He uses people, but different people would come into my life that would say, Hey, I, you know, I was reading this book and I thought about you. And it was things, materials, and people would speak things into my life that started undigging me out of that grave. You know, mm-hmm. it was, um, one of the books that I read that was phenomenal, and if my story is resonating with anybody out there, it's called Boundaries, and it's by Henry uh, Cloud. Doctor Henry and, Cloud, yeah. Yes, um, that book started a lot of shifting and changing in my life, and then lots of other things, lots of other materials, and then really just letting the Lord get in and heal my heart. He would bring up things. He would say, "Okay, let's talk about this now. Let's deal with this now. Let's forgive this now." But what he started doing too is pouring in a new identity in me, um, how I started viewing myself, um, my worth. He started speaking to those things. And so then after, after he was focusing on, on healing and getting junk out, because we have to let go before we can take hold of the new thing. So many times we're, we're trying to hang on to old stuff 
and, and wanting to step into new stuff and you can't do it. You have to pick. And so I had to let go. And then things started shifting. My, my time of prayer with him and my, my time of just talking to him started shifting to, okay, God, this is fun. Um, this is, I love walking in freedom. I love not having all this on me anymore. Whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do it. What, whatever call you have on my life, because I know I've listened to your podcast and you also believe that everybody is here on this earth for a purpose and that we all have God-given abilities and a call on our lives. And I said, I'll do it. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Well, um, back in, so fast forward a couple of years after that, um, and it was in 2003, I was cleaning some clothes out of the garage in our storage room that my kids had outgrown. And they were nice things, and I didn't want to just take them to the local thrift store. And out loud, I said, Lord, I wish I knew of a family I could just give these to. Um, because that by this point, um, I had this journey of freedom had also brought me to a place where I just kind of talked to him a lot. I just decided to take him as somebody to walk with me through every day of my life, not just on Sunday mornings. And so I was having a conversation and said, hey, I mm-hmm. wish I knew of a place I could give these. And immediately the thought dropped in my heart to call our local school. And um, I live in a great school district. And I called and I talked to the lady at the front office and just said, Hey, I've got some clothes that my kids have outgrown. And, um, you know, they're really good. I know your teachers see kids on a day to day basis. Do you ever know of, of children who are in need? And she said, uh, Actually, yes, we had an extreme situation come up just today. And she said, but this, this need has been taken care of and handled. We just kind of took up a collection in the office, which I found out later is a very common thing. And if there's any school teachers out here listening, uh, they're probably nodding in agreement that when they notice a child that needs a coat or a pair of shoes, a lot of times, you know, they go buy it themselves out of their own pocket mm. um, or, or the office kind of takes care of that. And so I got off the phone that day and I thought, wow, if this is a, a common need that there's children, because you know, our teachers see kids more hours of the day than, than parents even do mm. in most cases. And uh, we have an epidemic in this country of parents or, who are either unwilling or unable to take care of their children. And I think addictions have a big part in that, but our society has made a very selfish shift and kids a lot of times get the short end of the stick on that scenario. But I got off the phone and I said, you know, maybe I could do a clothing drive or something like that. I'm very much a, if I see a need, hey, let's jump in and fix it. Yeah. I'm a fixer. And um, I thought, no, where is the school going to put all that stuff? They don't need me to have moms in minivans dropping off loads of clothes for them to deal with. And then, oh, it, w- it, was, it was just a phenomenal moment. And every time I tell this, it, it almost feels kind of like a twilighty moment, but I lived it. It was true. As I was saying, you know, maybe I could do a clothing drive or whatever. I felt like the Lord downloaded an idea into my heart. And it felt like almost a present that just kind of went down and in my heart and it exploded. And all of a sudden I could see it, see it in my heart, see it in my mind to start an organization and to call it Clothe Our Kids, that they're the children of our community, taking that ownership of being your brother's keeper. And, uh, that we, that are teachers, and we've also branched out now, we don't only clothe through the school system, but we also clothe through the Tennessee Department of Children's Services when children are removed from an abusive or neglectful situation, foster families, um, the health department, agencies like that. But that, that our teachers specifically were like the army on the front line 
but every good army needs a good supply line and that we could be that. So that's what's very different about our nonprofit than maybe others is that we don't work directly with the public that we help. Mm. And, and that's, that's very key to what we do. And I think that's been a huge part of our success is uh, that we run a warehouse of kids' clothes and our customers are the teachers, the caseworkers, the foster associations, and they send us an email and it's all discreet. They let us know just the gender and the sizes of the child. And uh, in our warehouse, we go together and put together a full wardrobe for these children. And it's good stuff. We only keep items when they're donated that we would put on our own children because mm. we're clothing these kids with confidence, like what you were saying earlier. Um, you know, if you are sitting in your desk at school and your parents have had to take a pair of scissors and cut out the toe of your shoe for your toes to hang out because your shoes don't fit or they're duct taped together or you're wearing your dad's boxer shorts as shorts. These are all real stories. And you're sitting beside the kid that's decked out head to toe in name brand items. Not that there's anything wrong with that kid either, but you start an internal dialogue about your self-worth and your value. And, and I think it sets you up. How you view yourself determines the kind of friends you make, the, pe- the mm-hmm. decisions you make, the people you allow around you. And if you think that you're less than anybody else around you, you're going to act that out. So um, it's not just about putting the clothes on their back. It's about clothing them with confidence. But every child we, we clothe receives six to eight outfits, a brand new pack of underwear, pack of socks, pair of shoes, and a coat. And it's delivered discreetly back to the school in an unmarked duffel bag. Clothe our kids is not written on anything that that child will see mm-hmm. or that their peers will see is the biggest so, part for us. So important. You know, I, um, yeah. I want to pause here for a second because yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, your story is just piercing my heart. You know, I mean, it's going to resonate with every single person that that reads or that listens to this episode because the reality is is that our identity, how we see ourselves and our sense of worth in the world determines how we interact with our gifts, which determines the type of action that we take, which then determines the type of community that we're a part of. And and you and I have never met before. And I have no idea if you've read my book, but this, <laughs> this, what you just shared is the first piece of Master the Key. It is before you can find your why, you must re- remember and believe that you are worthy of one to begin with. And and so much of our ability to to believe that is buried deep within us and and we need to go in and do the digging to draw that out there's this great quote from a a saint by the name of saint augustine who who said do not wander far and wide but return to yourself for deep within you dwells the truth Mm, and so good you know we we experience these earthquakes in our life and and i'm in no, i'm in northern california i'm on the san andreas fault line i was 10 years old in 1989 when we had the 7.1 earthquake which was huge and it was all my fault because i disobeyed my mother who told me not to open the bag of doritos but 
I'm just I'm joking. But um, when there's a when there is an earthquake, gold is almost instant, always instantaneously deposited in the earth. So if we think about that as it relates wow. to our own life, right? I believe God that has created clues to remind us of the truth throughout nature and all around us, right? Why wouldn't he, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so if we think about an earthquake and, and the earthquakes that we've had in our own lives, that those situations, those adversities, the experiences, the yuckiness that you had in college that you experienced actually deposited gold into your soul that that was being refined over those many years under the pressure of life and then now you're able to in that one moment where chance showed up and you responded you were able to take that gold and turn it into something that was incredibly powerful and is bringing great treasure out into the world. And I, I want to like, I want to know. I mean, I didn't want to interrupt you because the story was so powerful. And 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 I want to know who in your life was what Laura Mayer represents to those kids. In other words, you went to college. And you entered college as this compassionate, empathetic, trusting person. You left college as this broken, not trusting, uh, felt unworthy, muddy, as you said. And somebody had, in addition to the Lord... Had to come in and breathe life and truth back into you so that you could let the light that God placed in you shine. Who was that person for you? Yeah. Oh, hands down, my pastor. Hands down, which I know in a sense kind of brings it back to the Lord because that's where I was able. That's kind of, you know, I feel like the Lord drew our blueprints for each and every one of our lives. And so for me, I could not find who I was without going back and consulting the blueprint and going back and consulting the very one who who wrote my blueprint. And um, so my pastor is one of these people who my pastor actually and his wife just ooze love, just ooze acceptance and um, spent many, many hours with me crying and helping to bandage the wounds and helping me talk things out. And then sharing their stories. And oh, that's something else I think. And I feel like it's been a lot of people that would fit this category. When other people are willing to be vulnerable and share their stories, people mm-hmm. did that for me. And when they would, you know, people that maybe from the outside I viewed as somebody I wanted to be like, and they seemed like they just really had it all together. But then when they pulled back the curtain of their heart and said, oh, but, but let me show you the scars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so empowering. People try to hide scars. And I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't think we should try to do that. I think we should wear them proudly like a cool tattoo and mm-hmm. say, because this is a story that, that life tried to kill me and it didn't work. Mm-hmm. This scar represents that I was bigger. This scar represents that it didn't work. Mm-hmm. Whatever that thing was that tried to take me out. And uh, just people that would, it would take time to pour 
horrible leaf into me and to point out the good things about me because, you know, by that point after college, I could find no good thing about me. I felt that I was so, just so shameful and so inherently flawed and just that, um, I mean, we're all human flawed in that respect. But um, this person had just done such a number when you're under, he was a narcissistic controller and people like that, the way that they get root in your life is by convincing you that you're the broken one. Mm -hmm. So it, it took lots of different people that the Lord put along my path at different parts of my journey because there were only certain things I could hear at the beginning of my journey. And I would say that embrace where you are in your journey. You are not late. You are not early. Embrace where you are and, and just be grateful for the people that the Lord puts in your life at each step of the way. Here we are, my friends, another week into the book launch of Master the Key. And this book and its transformational message and the principles taught by the characters inside of the pages and the journal that's built into the book continues to make an impact in the world and make waves. And I am so grateful for the feedback and the reviews that I've been receiving on Amazon and from the calls and emails that I've been receiving. And I'd love to share with you a review from Lance Salazar, who is the co-author of The Miracle Morning for Couples. He co-wrote this book with his wife, Brandy Salazar and Hal Alrod. And I, I would love to share this review with you. And I'm incredibly humbled that Lance had to say, I'm absolutely loved the way the author not only inspired change, but also the desire to take action through a story, a parable, if you will. This has always been one of my favorite ways to grow, to learn, and to be inspired. We all love stories, but one has the ability to actually teach you and motivate you while I can't put those types of books down. This book was no exception. Loved it. Lance, thank you so much. And while you're at Amazon picking up a copy of Master the Key, be sure to pick up a copy of The Miracle Morning for Couples, who, again, was co-written by Lance and his wife, Brandy, and Hal Alrod. And while you are also there, you can add another book to your, to your list. You can pick up Hal's new book, The Miracle Equation. So hit pause, head over to Amazon, and pick up those copies of those three books right now. Master the Key, A Story to Free Your Potential, Find Meaning, and Live Life on Purpose by yours truly. The Miracle Morning for Couples, written by Lance and Brandy Salazar and Hal Alrod, and also Hal's latest book, The Miracle Equation. Now, back to the show. I forget where it says in in the Bible. I think it's like Habakkuk or something, but it says basically that the vision may be delayed, but it will come to fruition. It will. Yeah. And, I think you're right. And we have to in this in this world that we live in today where where we basically can have anything delivered in a in less than two days and we can instantaneously make things appear it's it's unsettling to think that we have to wait for something right um that we have yeah. to that we can't see instantaneous growth and so if we can't see something instantaneously happen then it's not worthwhile to pursue 
And that's a lie in and of itself as well. And and we need to get back to. I was wa- I, wa- I was walking my dog this morning, and there was a, a young man standing at the bus stop waiting for the school bus to to pick him up. And I just noticed that he's standing there. It's gorgeous morning. I mean, it was it, it had rained the night before, and the clouds were all puffy in the sky, and the sun was rising, and it was creating all of these cotton candy type colors in the sky, and kid was buried in his phone mm. you know and missing and it I, all missing it all he, you know craving connection but totally disconnected right and mm-hmm. but and, and i i do the same i think we all do the same thing we're craving connection and we think that connection exists in this you know 6 inch device that's a cell phone right and we think that it, i love what you're doing because Going back to the whole clothe our kids thing, it's 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 more than just giving them clothing, right? It's actually doing something that's kind of sneaky and tricky in one hand because what it does is it we you and I know that our inherent value is there regardless of what we are wearing, right? Right. But but because of the world that we live in, we are constantly comparing ourselves to each other and to who's wearing what, who's driving what, who lives on what street, what zip code, you know, all of that stuff. And, and so we don't have, we don't allow space for our, our self-worth to truly bubble up to the surface. And so what you're doing is clothing these kids with figure with literal clothes but figurative confidence which then gives them the ability to act in accordance with who they are and the the two kids that you described in that sitting in that classroom the one wearing his dad's boxer shorts as shorts and the other yeah. one who's decked out in the in the latest and greatest brands they are both so much the same kid you know oh, yeah they 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 both are dealing with insecurity they're both dealing with trying to find their place in the world they're both trying to make sense of who they are created to be and how they're going to show up and 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 what their gifts mean right and and so when you and they and they're just in a little bit different circumstances right so when you bring them together it's a powerful moment and i and i say to people that you know if you if you ever want to be confident then you have to act with faith because mm-hmm. the, the that's what the word act, confidence literally means is with faith cofide and so you know you're you're giving these kids the ability to at a, at a, just a fundamental psychological need to know that they belong and that yeah. they're safe and that they're like everyone else and that gives them the ability to show up and and it would be nice if we if we didn't have to do that it would be great if, if if we didn't need to do that but unfortunately we need to do that and you're stepping forward and creating the opportunity for people to do that and and I'm 
we're, we're all tremendously blessed. And I know that that clothe our kids is going to just ha- have a transformational impact in the world. One that you might not even be around to see ultimately at the end of the day. I would love that. That's my dream. And it has started a movement. What started, actually, we started this in the top of my garage. It didn't take a, a large space. And it was me and my best friend, Shelly Lyon. I called her. I said, I've got this crazy idea. She said, let's do it. It's so great to have friends that you just say, crazy idea, and they're on board. And we started it out of the top of my garage. And then we've grown. Uh, within eight weeks, we'd outgrown that space. And it's just it was me and a team of other moms that would just get together and sort through the donations and pack the bags. and. And then within eight weeks, we outgrown it. And I said, okay, you know, Lord, you started this. I don't know where we're supposed to go. It's not like we have any money to pay rent. And um, he worked it out where um, the Methodist church in my town had bought a building. uh, The bank had owned it and they bought it uh, just for classroom space or they weren't really sure yet what they were going to use it for. And they let us use it. And it's a huge building. Uh, 7,000 square feet is the whole building. We don't really use about 3,000 square feet of that. But uh, anyway, they let us use it rent-free. Rent so mm-hmm. it's been a community effort too. It's, it's been the community pulling together. But, but what it start, word started getting out about how well this was working in Lincoln County, and uh, which is the county that I live in here in Tennessee. And neighboring counties would call, especially with the Department of Children's Services, and say, we don't have a resource like this in this county. I'm a caseworker, you know, over such and such kids. Do you help kids outside of your county? I'm like, well, sure. We're, we're a bunch of moms in here. Which kid are we going to turn down? No, if we've got the clothes, we'll pack it. And if you can figure out a way to come get it. And so we were clothing an eight-county area at our largest uh, volume. And so what I did, because um, that can be kind of exhausting, what I did is I put together a manual and I have it in a PDF and I email it to anybody that wants it. And it's a basically just kind of our story and our operations, what we found worked, what doesn't, the best way to organize your clothes, the best way, you know, such and such form to use for this, things just that we've developed. And so I started going to other counties and sharing this with them. So now it started a movement and there's actually six clothe our kid locations. Five of those are in Middle Tennessee. One of them is in North Alabama. They're all independently ran with their own. Some of them um, are kind of, uh, they operate underneath another civic organization or maybe their church. It's like a program of the church. Mm -hmm. And then some have grown to the point they've decided to 501c3 themselves. Because we just want, I just feel like it's supposed to be a ripple effect, like the pebble in the pond. You know, for other people, my heart's desire is for maybe even people out there listening today to say, I have a garage. I have friends. I can, I can pack some clothes. Uh, hey, girl, send me your email or you know whatever. Um, if you'll email clotheourkids at gmail.com, I've got a packet. I'd love to send you just um, if this is something you would love to help get going in your community. So that's my heart's desire is for this to go everywhere because... Kids, kids need it. Kids need the confidence. Parents need the help. I even read an article. It's been it's been a year or so ago, but it was the Memphis area, which is West Tennessee. But they were having such a problem uh, at the beginning of the school year. Kids just not showing up to school because they didn't have school clothes. Mm-hmm. There, it's a uni, it's a uniform county, and they didn't have uniforms. Well, 
if it's a uniform county, guess what's in all of those clauses that the other kids have outgrown? Uniforms. And if there was a clothe our kids there, that all those uniforms could be donated to when, when one person's child outgrew them. It's just, it, it would mm-hmm. fit every county. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, did I hear you correctly that you actually, so you, you actually never interact with the children? With the kids. Correct. We don't. And that that does make us a little different. And sometimes that's kind of hard because you want to know if they love their stuff. We love getting feedback though from our teachers and our caseworkers saying, oh my gosh, I got to tell you, she broke down in tears when she opened her bag and everything was her size. And there was a pair of boots and she's in fifth grade and says she's never owned boots before. Or the 16 year old boy that broke down in tears and the caseworker called me after bringing clothes to his house, they lived in a converted grocery store with their grandmother and two teenage boys. And we provided clothes. And of course, we just keep stuff that's good and, and stuff that's trendy and on style. And here in this area, it you know, is a bunch of Under Armour and Nike and Hollister and those kinds of things. And mm-hmm. the caseworker called me and said that those 16-year-old boys broke down sobbing. Mm-hmm. when they were pulling all that stuff out of their bags. Mm-hmm. And he said, I don't think you realize it, Laura, but you're giving these kids access to something that is so far out of reach for them. Mm-hmm. And it's just clothes. And, and it's stuff that everybody, we all have, you know, anybody out there that has kids, they know how quickly their kids outgrow their clothes. Mm-hmm. And so we just explain it to people that instead of bringing your stuff to a thrift store, bring it to us. And we'll give it away for free. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by the Lawton Marketing Group, a full-service advertising and design agency specializing in websites, social media, apps, logos, and more. Based in Oklahoma, they work with clients across the nation from small businesses to large corporations and everything in between. You can find them right now on the web at www. LawtonMG.com or call them at 580-275-2063. Connect with them now for a complimentary competitive analysis of your website. Just tell them the impact entrepreneur told you to call. It's so incredible. And, and you know, I mean, I'm just going to be vulnerable and, and real. Like when I was growing up, you know, my dad was an army officer. And unfortunately, you know, the, the military is not, you know, whether you're an enlisted person or an officer that, you know, they're, they're not paid the best. Right. And, and then when he retired from the army, he became an entrepreneur and that, you know, there was just all the startup things about that. And I'm one of six kids and we live in California, not necessarily the uh, least expensive place. And my parents, you know, sacrificed a lot to put us in private school, which meant that we couldn't necessarily go get the best and the latest clothing thing, right? That our kids were, that our peers were wearing at school, at school and other places, right? And we would end up going to this place called the Family Bargain Center. And, you know, you know, they, they had all kinds of just different clothes and stuff, but they have these gigantic yellow bags with family bargain center written in gigantic black lettering on the outside of it. And 
it was like a the most as a as a kid who didn't understand who was comparing himself to others it was like the most humiliating thing was to go to the family bargain center and walk out and so much so that my mom would actually bring a Macy's bag and stick the bag, the clothes in a in a Macy's bag you know and uh but you know it, it was it's now we laugh about it you know but what's so cool about what you're doing is that it's you're not doing it for your own glory and so that you can be featured on x y or z right as as the the nonprofit of the year because you don't even know the impact that you're having i mean you get the feedback as you just described from the teachers but you don't know and you will likely never meet someone who because of of your organization because of you responding in to the call that was placed in you in your garage goes on to become incredibly successful and pay it forward in a in a huge way because they received a duffel bag of of clothes that made them feel like their peers and the fruit of that is just so profound so profound you you mentioned that you are your your you and your husband have been married for 16 years you have 3 kids yes my wife and I have been married for we will have been married in this October for 15 years and we have four kids. Okay. Um and I know that you know I'm I'm a little bit like you in the sense that I get crazy ideas and I begin to run with them sometimes uh a little too quickly but whenever I bring my wife on board with the vision it's it's much you know more uh, you know easy not easy going but our relationship is just solid and and it's so critical to bring the the key stakeholders in your life on board with the vision that you've been given and not necessarily hold it in and 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 i think that people hold it in because they're afraid of being told no by the other people so when you had this crazy idea how did what's your husband's name Brian Brian when you yes. were like hey Brian i was in the garage and uh this is what I heard spoken to me and this is what I think we need to do. What what was his response? <laughs> How okay, did you bring him on board? It's really a funny story. It's so crazy that you even brought that up. Um, okay, so he has always been a supporter of my dreams. I am a dreamer and he is the hands-on nuts and bolts guy. And so he's always been very supportive of that kind of thing. But he also knows that sometimes I can get a little crazy. And so he he also knows kind of how to uh, to rain on my parade just enough to bring some balance, you know, sometimes. Okay, so the day in the garage happened like around two o'clock and it was time to go get my kids. And that's when I saw my best friend, Shelly. And and then we got our kids home and, and we, we agreed that we we're going to get kids home, then talk to each other on the phone, her and I, to kind of nail out some details. And... and so by the time Brian walked in the door from work, this was already a done deal. I'd already talked to Shelly. And so we already were excited. We wanted to do this. And it was like, oh, wait, uh, minor detail. I guess my husband needs to know about this because number one, I wanted to use his garage that he had all his stuff in to do this. And um, so what I did is you never talk to that man if he has an empty stomach. 
So I fed him first, cooked good supper, um, fed him <laughs> first. And, and I'm so serious, kind of manipulative and sneaky of me, I guess. <laughs> um, but then I said, oh, I've got to tell you about something. Just happened to remember. Um, there is a new nonprofit in town. Okay, we were only a few hours old. Like there was nothing official. <laughs> I I was I didn't know about like, you know, you actually have to contact your state and get paperwork done and fees paid. Yeah, we we got all that handled, but anyway, I'd never done this before. And so I said, there's a new nonprofit in town. It's ran by these two moms. It's called Clothe Our Kids. And they, you know, I started telling them the whole thing of how we provide clothes or they provide <laughs> clothes to kids. Um, I got his head nodding like, oh yeah. And, you know, isn't that a great idea? He was like, yeah, that's pretty awesome. And I said, guess who those two moms are? Me and Shelly. But by that point, he was already <laughs> nodding in agreement. His stomach was full. And I was like, and, and I just I just need your garage, if you don't mind moving your stuff out. And of course, you know, af- after the initial shock and after a few questions and, okay, hold on a minute. Let me get my head wrapped around this. You now run a 501c3. This morning when I left, everything was normal. And now I come home and it's not normal. Um, but that weekend, he... Um, he cleaned out his garage. He he so did, and helped us set up um, racks and shelving and and stuff. And wow. it's pretty cool. Yeah. Wow, that is so awesome. You know, I cannot wait to continue to see how clothe our kids continues to grow and move from city to city, and because every city across America and around the world needs this. I mean, this is not like just limited to where you are. Every city needs this. And 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 in particular the way that you're doing it is like I said, so different and so powerful, which which really gives new life to it in in that way. So I'm 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 excited to share this episode when it goes live and to connect you with other people. I want to try to connect you with other other people um that are interested in the well-being of children and recognize that the things that happen to us also happen for us if we choose mm-hmm. to allow them to do that to be that way and so i'm 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 excited to to help you proliferate this message and and the impact that it's having in the world thank you so so much keep the people going I, I conclude every conversation with the same question. So the first, the first is I want to make sure people know where they can go and connect with you. You already gave your email out, which is clotheourkids at gmail.com. Where else can Correct. they connect with you? Uh, we have a website, clotheourkids.com. Um, and then of course, we're on Facebook so and Instagram. Okay. Um, and the first of the of the final three questions is if you could pick any skill set that you currently possess, so a skill that you already have, but turn it into a superpower, what would it be? Oh, wow. <laughs> it would be a oh, this sounds kind of cheesy, but I'm, I don't mean any cheese at all with this. Um, I love to inspire people. But I think my superpower would be a heart unlocker. Mm. I would love to have the ability 
to unlock people from themselves, mm-hmm. from, from the junk that they are buried underneath. And then say, go flap your wings, go fly, see you mm-hmm. later. I mean, I don't have to be a part of it all, but you go do you because you're amazing and you've got something to bring to this world. Mm-hmm. And the world mm-hmm. is waiting for you. There's people, there are people that are depending on you letting go of your past and embracing your future. There's people that need you to be brave. Go mm-hmm. be brave for them. Mm-hmm. Man, you need to start a podcast. I'm just telling you right now. You need to start start a Clothe Our Kids podcast because you need to be on a microphone, sister. That's so funny you said that. That's what's been in my heart as my next right thing that I'm supposed to start doing. So yeah. thank you for that. Yeah. That encourages yeah. me. <laughs> yes, yes. The word inspire means to breathe life into. So. So you are, or to breathe into. So you are, you're definitely doing that in a, a, a number of ways. The, the next question is, what are three lies that prevent us from being who we are created to be? Oh, man. I think one of them, and I'm just, I'm just going to pull this back to just um, biblical stuff, just because this is something that, that I've learned. A lie that Joshua believed in the Bible. You know, he was called to take over leadership after Moses, but he had only ever known being a slave. You know, he, he, uh, people that are unfamiliar, he, he grew up in Egypt as a slave, and then yet he's supposed to lead millions of people. And sometimes the lie is, how can I be something that I've never been before? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But mm. that's okay. There's stuff inside of you that you don't even know about right now. Mm-hmm. And if you keep stepping forward, those gifts and those talents and those abilities will rise to the top. And the second one I think would probably be uh, the character of Esther in the Bible and how she was also, um, her one of her calls was to help save her people. And in order to do that, she had to go and stand before the king. And no one came and stood before the king unless they were invited, but she decided to be brave and do it anyway. And especially at that time for the fact that she was a woman that that put her even in more jeopardy um, to break the law and go and stand before the king. And she told her uncle and she said, but but I'm a woman. And Mordecai's answer back to her is, but Esther, you're a woman. Sometimes the very thing that we think is our greatest weakness in our life is our greatest strength. And so that's a lie. You know, I... I was led to believe that my compassion was a weakness about myself. The mm-hmm. fact that I cry every time I speak because I feel everything, that that was a weakness. But it's ended up being one of my greatest strengths. Mm-hmm. And then I think the third one um, would be the character of Mary in the Bible, Jesus's mother, when the angel appeared to her and said, you're going to be the mother of the son of God. And um, she said, you know, how can this be? This is impossible. I don't even have a husband and all of these things. And um, sometimes the lie is that, oh, that's impossible. But Mary had to believe in the impossible. Mm-hmm. So sometimes we dream things and there's things in our heart and we're so quick to say, but that's impossible. Impossible things are done every single day. Every day there are things being done, inventions being made, health breakthroughs being made that this time 50 years ago, everyone would agree that's impossible. Mm -hmm. But somebody chose to not believe it. 
And today mm-hmm. it's possible. Mm-hmm. So there's things in your life, in, in all of our lives, our listeners. Don't let something as small as the impossible stop you. Mm-hmm. Yes, 100%. Impossible. In order to make something that seems impossible possible, we have to act. And as soon as we start acting, then the complexity of all of the decisions begin to fade away because we're faced with what the next right thing is. I love it. The last question, what's your favorite art form? This is not the last question, but I forgot to ask it before Uh, we record it. What's your favorite art form? uh, Probably music. Okay. So it's 100 years from now, and you've left a set of instructions for a composer to create a, a, a piece in whatever genre you like, whether it's pop or whatever, whatever it is. You've left a set of instructions for a composer to create a piece that answers this question, how will you measure your life? What will that piece include? Wow, how will I measure my life? In the form of music. Of of music. I I think it would be a song that tells a story. I love stories. Love, love, love stories. I think everybody has a story. And it would be a story of a girl who decided to crawl out of the grave that other people had dug. Mm. And and decided to embrace everything that God had put on the inside of her. Mm. And was brave enough to discover even what those things were. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably somebody like Josh Groban would be singing it. Like <laughs> somebody <laughs> like that with just lots of emotion. Or Celine Dion, one of those. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. You know, there's actually, um, it's funny that you mentioned crawling out of, out of a grave because there is a song have you heard of the 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 worship band called bethel music yes ain't no grave with molly skaggs i love that one okay all right i was wanted to point that out just in case so good i had made the connection with that song but yes that's that's so true yes well laura it has been an absolute treat and pleasure having you on the impact entrepreneur show i look forward to continuing to find ways to collaborate and spread what you are doing. And uh, I just will, I will, I will keep you guys in my daily prayers. Thank you so much. And thank you for giving me the opportunity of using your platform and your listeners to tell this story. I'm just so grateful. It's my honor. It's my honor. So thank you so much. Thank you to this week's guest and thank you for listening. If you missed any of the key points and highlights from my conversation, we've got you covered over at theimpactentrepreneur.net forward slash podcast for show notes to each and every episode. And while you are there, check out Flynn Wealth Strategies and Insurance Solutions. You can do that by visiting flynnwealthstrategies.com. The Lot Marketing Group and the Podcast Masters. We could not do this show without them and with all of their support. Now, until next time, go make an impact.